This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, Leadership is, by definition, leading people away from where they already are. If you're preaching to the choir, you're not leading anybody anywhere. End quote. And that quote comes to us today from Tim Urban. Tim is the co-founder of the online tutoring service Arbor Bridge, and arguably what he's probably more famous for, his fantastic website, Wait But Why. Now, Wait But Why launched in 2013, and is a long-form blog with a multitude of topics and subject matters, including science, psychology, politics, and interpersonal dynamics. And I've been following WAPA Y since very early on. I'm not going to say I was there when it first got started, but since near about 2013, I've been following the website. And I've also seen, as many of you probably have, Tim's TED Talk, entitled... Inside the Mind of a Master Procrastinator, and Tim has written about procrastination extensively on Wait But Why as well. And Tim writes in such a way, and publishes and illustrates actually as well, in such a way that it's incredibly engrossing. His website is a fun mix of humor and self-deprecation and, and educational mixed into one, and it's, it's very enjoyable to read and very educational as well. It's generally a good time. You end up leaving entertained, but also well-educated. And Tim does this great thing where he drops these little for extra reading type of things in the middle of his posts. They're these little bubbles that you hover over and you get additional information, additional context. Tim also illustrates, as I mentioned. He draws cartoons, he says, at a fourth grade level in his own bio on the website, but they're, they're quite entertaining and they're educational as well. And the best part is they stick in your mind. So when you read his articles and you see the giant human, which if you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. If not, you should go find it. But there's a big giant human that he he draws, and it's drawn very cartoonishly, but it has the effect of sticking with you long after the article is over. So in its own way, it reinforces what you're reading there, and that's enjoyable and, and as I said, uh, something worth giving a follow to. So if you haven't been over to Wait But Why, definitely go check it out. Tim does a great job there, and there's plenty, trust me, plenty of reading for for everyone. Now, if you're like me, while you theoretically can read a bunch of academic papers and chew on them and synthesize the information and draw conclusions, it is far, far, far easier and more enjoyable to go on a learning journey. And that's exactly what Tim does on his website. Now, his most recent series called The Story of Us is a 10-part, so far, series comprising more than 90,000 words, which is about 180 pages worth of content, depending on how you measure the word count per page. But that's 180 pages that Tim has published completely for free on his website. And this isn't just boring reading material. This isn't your average clickbaity nonsense. This is exceptionally well-written, extremely engrossing, and well-formatted. It's laid out in an intelligent way. It tells a story in a series of parts And again, you end up learning along the way. And hopefully, based on his 10th chapter, the way he closes the 10th chapter of that series, 
there are, there should be two more chapters. He refers to a penultimate chapter as the next one. So I would assume there would be two more. Uh, but it's been a minute since he's published an update to that series. And that is because he has been working on a book. And it is a book that I and certainly many others are anxiously awaiting the release of. And I know that he's extremely busy in preparing for that. So he gets a he gets a fair amount of slack when it comes to putting out free content as he pursues something that will arguably be very popular and make him a bunch of money. So far be it from me to complain. And there's certainly plenty of information on that website, even though I think I've read every single article there. I would go back again and read them a second time because they're that good. And there's just so much information chock full in them that you almost can't help it. You can't, I can't retain it all. I, even in researching for this episode, I went back and saw certain portions of articles and I went, oh man, it's been so long since I've read this. I need to go back and take a look. Now, don't worry, dear listener, this is not intended to be a, a, a fanboy uh, type of podcast about Tim Urban's website. It is fantastic and I do recommend that you go read it. But it's not often that you get that kind of deep analysis published for free. There is no paywall. There's the opportunity to donate, and I have, and I encourage you to do so as well. But Tim created all of this content largely for free. And near as I can tell, aside from any advertising dollars that he may have gotten here or there, I don't know, there's no profit associated with this. So this is just somebody who has an enjoyment of writing he, writing his book. He may He may say differently about the writing process, but who enjoys writing, enjoys illustrating, and puts out this material free of charge. And that's fantastic. And it's worth noting. So back to today's quote. Today's quote comes from chapter six of the story of us, the 10 part series so far that Tim has written. And the chapter is called the American brain. And in this particular long form post, which again, about 10,000 words, more or less, Tim writes and attempts to explain how the 350 million or so individuals of the United States of America operate as a collective. How do we make decisions as a country and how do we select our leaders? And of course, he breaks this down into its constituent parts and explains them each individually and in his own unique and creative way. He compares the classic supply and demand curve, which anybody who's taken a basic economics course will recognize, and he applies that to American social discourse, especially political discourse. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, as Tim states, there are social boundaries that we navigate as a society. There is subject matter that's okay to touch and others that's not. And it's not that you can't talk about them. Of course, we have freedom of speech here in America, so you can talk about whatever you like, with rare exception. That being said, Tim says that there are certain boundaries and these are recognized, and we all do this. We do this intrinsically without thinking about it. It's, it's part of the human condition. It's part of being part of a society. You learn in your group what is okay and what is not. And Tim talks about how those boundaries apply to ideas as they apply to speech, and that there is a path between those boundaries that we follow lest we lose favor, or, or rather our ideas lose favor, and we end up ostracized. Now, nobody wants to be ostracized, so we stay between the boundaries most of the time. Now, he talks about the scarcity of attention, and he talks about how in order to gain people's attention, you have to do something. And he compares it to 
what makes one preacher better than another is one preacher's ability to preach slightly better than another preacher. And that's giving people exactly kind of what they want to hear, what's already inside the boundaries. And he references a concept that many of you are familiar with, but others may not be called the Overton window. And the Overton window is attributed to political scientist Joseph Overton. It's a relatively new term in the lexicon of political science. But basically, it states, more or less summarized, that there is a range of ideas that are considered both acceptable and reasonable for political discussion and discourse. Obviously, as a political scientist, this would be the case, but this applies more broadly to a number of other things. The, the, the general idea here, and you see this all the time, is that if a politician expresses extreme views on one end or the other of the spectrum, they may get clicks and they may get news, they may get a tweet here or there, but they're not considered socially acceptable. People look askance at them. It makes people raise their eyebrows. There's a certain set of topics and a certain range within those topics, which is an acceptable discussion. And Tim's reference in the article is about immigration. And he's talking about how we constantly debate immigration in the United States. It's a hot button topic for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. And again, as you know, listener, this is not a political podcast. We're not going to go down the political rabbit hole here. But he gives an example that on one extreme end of that discussion is the idea of open borders. No borders at all. No borders for any country anywhere. That falls pretty squarely outside of the Overton window on the discussion of immigration. There are people who believe that perhaps the border should be slightly more open than they are now. There are people that believe that the border should be slightly more closed than they are now. This is, again, specific to the United States. People, that may be the Overton window. That may define the Overton window. Slightly more open to slightly more closed when it comes to border discussions. People that talk about no borders or completely closed borders would fall largely outside of the Overton window. You can espouse those political beliefs if you are a political candidate, but you are probably going to be derided for being a little bit on the extreme. So, there are obviously way more ideas than fall inside the Overton window. But shifting that window, shifting the Overton window, which is a common political science term now, can happen in a couple of ways. One of those is that society shifts. There are a series of small conversations that happen between people, and over time, the Overton window shifts imperceptibly slowly to the point where a whole new set of acceptable and reasonable ideas are in play. And now a politician can get up on a soapbox in front of a microphone, in front of a crowd, and espouse those ideas without be being seen as a looney tune. That's one way. Another way is that a leader shifts the window and society then catches up. Somebody popularizes a new idea on a topic already discussed or brings a topic into the political space that has not previously been there, and the Overton window has now moved. And he frames the quote for today by explaining that, especially now with the glut of information and entertainment, etc., there is a profit and business model around gaining and keeping attention. And you know this, dear listener, from the various social media outlets, even probably the podcast app in which you're listening to this. The idea is to get you to stay and listen to more. And knowing this, knowing how to gain and, and maintain people's attention is the key to relevance and survival in this model. And so again, we're back to the preaching slightly better than the other person preaches to gain and keep people's attention. You 
take a small sliver of that attention and that's your model. And that can be very, very profitable. That can be very lucrative for people. And many people do that and it makes them very happy. But what Tim is saying in today's quote is that there is a different way. And this is where today's quote becomes relevant. If you want to do more than just get that small sliver of people's attention, maybe within the current interest profile, within the current Overton window, as Tim puts it, offering a little crunchier version of the same expression carrot that people are already eating, you have to lead. And that's where today's quote comes into the article. Tim is talking about all this. He's talking about how the idea of political discourse and the idea of decision-making and attention-gaining and all of the things that go into American public discourse, social discourse, political discourse, is largely repetitions of a model that they've seen work in other ways. And rare is the time where a leader comes forth and changes the discussion. So I'm going to read the quote for you again. Now, knowing this, knowing the context of this, this isn't just about leadership in general. This is about making a change, shifting the Overton window, changing the conversation in a meaningful way. Tim says this, quote, leadership is, by definition, leading people away from where they already are. If you're preaching to the choir, you're not leading anybody anywhere, end quote. So again, going back to Tim's model and the way that he describes the attention-gaining model that many people employ, which is preaching slightly better than the person before you preached, you can see how if you really want to break the mold, if you really want to do something unique and different, you've got to change the conversation. You've got to lead. You've got to take people from a place where they're currently at in a model that they're currently in, and you've got to move them. Or better yet, get them to move themselves. And you have to convince them to do so. And this is how you change the conversation. This is how you shift the Overton window, how you bring a previously unpalatable, unacceptable set of ideas into the public discourse and into the discussion. And I'm going to give you an example here. And again, this is a political one, but again, not a political podcast, just an example. But many of you will be familiar with the Green New Deal. This was a piece of legislation put forth by New York Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, as she's known. She put forth this idea. And if you read this, this is an interesting piece of, of legislation. It's a House bill it's from the House of Representatives, and it's only about 17 pages long. And if you go and look it up, it's not a lot of content. There's not a lot of writing there. And it was never going to be made law, right? It was never intended, arguably, to be made law. But... It did change the conversation. And if you don't believe me, you don't believe that the window was shifted, consider this. Those who love it think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. They think it represents the future. They think it represents the change that this country desperately needs when it comes to both jobs and renewable energy and things of that nature. And that's great. The people who hate it, hate it vocally. And now, as a result of that particular piece of legislation, and of course, it's not a standalone thing, but this is a point where a leader, somebody in a position of leadership, lover, hater, doesn't matter, somebody that was in a position of leadership brought forth an idea, proposed something that brought previous discussions, which would have been considered outside of the Overton window, outside of the standard lexicon of the average politician, and brought that into, opened the window, shifted the window to be more acceptable to where the terms renewable energy and a Green New Deal are more 
acceptable for politicians to discuss. Whether you're advocating for them as a proponent or against them as an opponent, it's still something that is part of the common vernacular now for politicians. And so we have an example there, and there are others, and there are others on the other side of the aisle, again, not to be exclusive, of a leader shifting the Overton window through sheer force of personality, through creative delivery of a new idea, which is exactly what this was. Nobody had previously put forth something like this that was built off of FDR's New Deal from way back in the early 20th century. We now have this Green New Deal. And the Green New Deal is an interesting repackaging. Of course, renewable energy, solar panels, wind turbines have been around for decades. It was not new to talk about this particular subject matter. It had previously not been something that people necessarily saw as a part of their future. But in this 17-page document, it became something that was discussed. And so, to Tim's point here, AOC, rather than preaching to the choir, you could argue she was to a certain degree, but rather than just preaching to the choir... She presented in a new format something that people had already considered and therefore created a whole new conversation around this particular topic. And again, if you now that you are familiar with the term Overton window, you can see this happen in other places. You can see how things that previously had not been discussed or not been considered within boundaries for the political discourse, for the, for the social decision-making of the United States to be discussed, have been and how things have changed. And you, listener, and I can apply this in our own lives. We can take this and we can apply this to various other things. If you have a point of view that is not considered acceptable to your friend group for one reason or another, it doesn't have to be extreme, it doesn't have to be barbaric, it doesn't have to be anything bad, but if you want to expand the discussion, you have to lead. You have to present your ideas in a new way so as not to be preaching to the choir, but to open up the thought process. And so in that way, you can lead your own small group. You can lead your own friend group. You can lead your own family. That's how it's done. It's not done by preaching to the choir using the same model, the same terms, the same jargon. You have to be creative about it. And that's part of leadership. Part of leadership is being creative. And so again, if you have not gone, I recommend that you check out the Wait But Why website. Read through the story of us and the various other articles that he's done. He's done one on Fermi's paradox. He's done articles on Elon Musk and a variety of other things. And as I mentioned before, he talks about procrastination, his own procrastination, and, and what that looks like and feels like inside of his own mind. But the story of us is particularly revelatory. And I think you'll find that even though it was written a few years ago, I think it was three, four years ago now that the, the, the series began, that it's particularly applicable even today. It speaks to and explains a lot of the what we see around us on a regular basis, which just goes to show how quality the writing is. It has withstood the test of time, albeit a short time, relatively speaking. But I encourage you to check it out. And I encourage you to consider how your being a leader today could change. How you could, instead of preaching to the choir, help people to move from where they are to where you'd like them to be. Consider that. Consider the quote. Check out the website. And of course, please share this episode with a friend. It does a lot for the podcast, and it means a lot to me. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app, or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. 
I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.